to another episode of the M&A Mastermind Podcast. This is your go-to resource for the latest in industry trends and strategies to help you level up your M&A practice. I'm your host, Nick Olson, Managing Director of Cornerstone International Alliance. We are a consortium of lower middle market M&A firms, and I'm here uh, and honored and having privileged to uh, be able to talk to masterminds in the M&A space um, who are gracious enough to share their expertise with with you as our audience. And so my guest today definitely fits that bill. Um, she is a lead analyst for PitchBook with a focus on the healthcare sector. She has a PhD in philosophy and was awarded the prize scholar for, from the University of Oxford, which is awarded to uh, awarded to individuals for uh, academic excellence. Easy for me to say, right? Um, she, used, she used to teach medieval history at Oxford. Um, today, we are taking a deep dive into the state of the healthcare market. Please welcome my guest today, Rebecca Springer. Rebecca, thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to dive into uh, the healthcare sector. Thanks, uh, thanks, Dick, for having me. You really dug pretty deep into my CV there. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do I have to do my due diligence, right? That's part of that's part yeah. of what we do anyway. And yeah. um, so, obviously, a, a very storied um, academic history, and uh, um, you know, so you were in philosophy for a while. And what got you into, um, you know, from going from philosophy to getting into the M&A world and doing you know, industry analysis for PitchBook? Yeah. Um, yeah. So in, I suppose in, in 2018, I was teaching medieval history um, at Oxford um, and I just finished up my my doctorate there. Um, loved the space, um, felt that the life of an academic maybe wasn't fitting um, some of the other goals I had in terms of, you know work-life balance and getting paid, I suppose. <laughs> so um, decided to make a, a pivot um, and uh, yeah, worked for a, a think tank that was kind of focused on the higher education space for a while and, and was really looking for um, an opportunity to move into maybe a little bit faster moving industry and, and um, find something that could hold my interest to the same level that medieval history had. Um, and uh, so, it you know, through a, a sort of friend of a friend connection, ended up at PitchBook covering private equity, um, and uh, you know really appreciated that the team there was um, willing to um, kind of take a chance on someone with an, an unusual background. Um, and uh, pretty soon after that, started building out our healthcare coverage. Um, mm -hmm. So now lead um, a team of healthcare analysts covering everything from biotech to uh, megtech to digital. Yeah, one of the more um, unique industries right now, which we'll dive into. Um, but tell us a little bit more about, you know, appreciate the context from where you came and where you are right now. Um, and I definitely will say you found a fast moving industry, that's for sure. Um, what uh, What's the scope of, of what your team does as far as, you know, industry research, industry research goes and how you're helping um, investment bankers, M&A advisors, um, you know, learn more about the industry? Sure. So um, folks know PitchBook as a data platform, and that's sort of the core of what we do. Um, on top of that, we layer an institutional research group, and, and that's where my um, team sits. We really work with our clients in three ways. Um, first, we write reports um, into the state of deal activity, um, industry drivers across healthcare. So we have quarterly healthcare services, healthcare IT, digital health, medtech reports, and biopharma is coming soon. Um, those are, you know, pretty widely read um, throughout the industry. And the the M and A advisor side, the the um, healthcare services private equity report is probably the most relevant there. 
Um, we also um, work with clients on a sort of one-off basis. We do analyst access. So we'll um, get on the phone with clients, um, whether that's, hey, you know, let's do a group presentation on what's hot in healthcare IT right now, um, or, you know, we're working on a deal and we need a deep dive into, I don't know, Medicaid pediatric dentistry. Um, we get to, to work with clients on um, a range of different asks and, and that's always um, pretty rewarding. Um, the uh, final thing that we do is we actually add a curation layer um, into our data that, that clients can access through the platform. So um, for instance, for healthcare services right now, we have um, about 5,000 companies that have been segmented by my team into 31 uh, categories, 27 subcategories within that vertical. Um, everything that's done a private equity transaction um, since 2017 in the US or Canada in healthcare services is there. Um, so clients can, you know, use that data within the platform to go very granular on a particular area. Um, you want um, endodontics and periodontics deals over the last couple of years, um, who have been the investors, who have been the service providers in those, um, you can get to that pretty easily. So we try to make things as easy as possible for, for clients to get where they need to go. Mm -hmm. So you kind of mentioned the custom segmented healthcare data, um, you know, at a high level, anything to add to that one? And then two, how are you seeing your clients at other m advisors utilize this data and this information? Sure. I mean, it's it, with that custom segmented data, PitchBook has really become the one, one data provider that you could go to for um, sort of definitive um, healthcare services deal transactions. And that, that um, data is what underlies our healthcare service report. Um, so you can use it to look at historical deal trends in the space. Um, uh, folks use it for deal sourcing, um, you know, looking at what platforms are active, when they were created, when they might um, transact again. Um, business development, who are the lenders who are active in a particular vertical, for instance, and, and um, you know, how, how should I reach out to them? Um, so there are a lot of use cases for it. Um, but again, really sort of one place that you can go to to get um, a view on, on really anything that's going on in, in healthcare services, um, private equity. Yeah, very valuable resource. Um, and we use that tool here at Cornerstone International Alliance. A lot of our members use their platform as well. And we have a, a couple of um, um, healthcare specialists in our group, and I know they they utilize your, your platform and find that very valuable to be able to have that go-to resource, you know, within their industry um, and get some information, deep dive and, and better, better you know, um, advise their clients on what they're seeing out there as far as, you know, um, comps go and multiples and all that sort of fun stuff and, you know, getting realistic expectations as to what, you know, their company, you know, might be able to go for. And so I think it's a really fantastic tool. Now you, you're focused on healthcare. For our listeners, what other um, industries do you have such, you know, you guys take deep dives on and get all, get all this information because I know there's a couple more. Yeah, yeah, we have um, pretty broad coverage. So we've got um, teams focused on private equity and venture as asset classes. Um, we have a team that focuses more on the sort of institutional investor side. So fund performance, benchmarking, all that's good stuff. Um, and then we've got an industry and technology group um, with expertise spanning a number of different verticals, everything from clean tech to um, fintech and financial services to um, e-commerce to AI and machine learning, um, kind of everything in between. Yeah, that definitely, definitely covering a lot there. 
Um, so this is a very broad question, high-level question, but I'm interested in, in getting your answer. Um, what is the current status of the healthcare market um, as a whole? Yeah, it is a broad question. Um, so I'll give you a broad answer to start with, and then maybe we can dive into some specifics. But Absolutely. I mean, if we step back and look at healthcare as a whole, right, I think, you know, a lot of investors and, and allocators kind of have a default assumption that healthcare is acyclical. And we're really seeing that in this current economic cycle, at least, um, that that's not really the case, right? Especially in terms of deal activity. Um, healthcare is tracked you know, at or below other industries in terms of, of M&A and private equity deal activity um, over the past couple of years in terms of, of really seeing a decline from the high at the end of, of 2021. Um, you know, if you look at the pharmaceuticals industry, we have a lot of consolidation going on in clinical trials, CROs. Um, you've got COVID revenue receiving, sort of COVID vaccine revenue receding, and then a growing wave of GLP-1 revenue. Um, you've got, you know, continued focus on rare diseases, especially drugs. Um, we look at digital health. Again, we have, you know, what was a sort of COVID-driven investment wave into all types of digital health, again, receding. Um, some of those business models, reimbursement models, not really coming through that folks hoped would. Um, and then in healthcare services, what we think of as kind of the core of the industry, especially from a private equity perspective, um, we really saw that the pandemic fundamentally changed labor market dynamics. Um, margins are, are a lot tighter in, um, in many or most areas of the, the industry. Reimbursement hasn't really kept up. So, you know, there's there's a lot of distress out there um, and, and deal activity um, has definitely slowed down. Um, the good news for your listeners is that um, it, it, the lower middle market is where things are still happening. Um, but we're, we're definitely seeing that, you know, broader financing conditions um, as well as industry dynamics have, have hit the healthcare industry pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And pre um, my, my current role with uh, Cornerstone International Alliance, I was in the healthcare space. The, 12 years of business development and marketing and sales for hospital system here in Wisconsin. And so we got to learn a lot about the industry. So I, I find it very fascinating to see, um, cause I transitioned right before the pandemic. And from a, from a, from afar, I saw like all my former colleagues working in healthcare through the pandemic and what challenges they had as healthcare workers, um, to, uh, you know, had to go through. And I think just, you know, within the last handful of months that, even the, the mask mandate has has kind of been lifted for the most part, at least in our area, maybe all over the place. Um, that uh, their their working conditions are now, you know, um, a little different than what they had to go through in, in the pandemic. And so, how does how does all that? I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but how did that pandemic, um, you know, affect you know just the industry in general? Because like most industries, most businesses, like there can be positive effects, like you said, like the vaccine. You know, there's a lot more you know, that going on, but then, you know, has, has the labor force kind of dipped down just because the working conditions weren't great. Like, you know, how has that pandemic, you know, affected, you know, the healthcare industry and how is it, you know, coming out of the back side of it, hopefully, you know, and, and what's it going to look like in the future? Yeah. So, so focusing on healthcare services again, um, you know, a, a lot of the healthcare labor force, especially at the lower, lower wage, lower skilled end of the market, uh, left healthcare for good, right? I mean, you know, why go through that um, sort of physical and psychological stress of mm -hmm. working in healthcare during that time when you could get the same wage as Starbucks um, down the street, right? And mm -hmm. so, 
um, you know, there was a, a sort of fundamental um, labor dislocation. Some of that has come back, um, but with continued low immigration, you know, I don't see us ever getting, at least not for the, you know, the near near future, getting back to the same labor pool that we were working with um, pre-pandemic mm -hmm. in healthcare. Um, that's had pretty far-reaching implications, right? I think on the health system side, um, a lot more focus on um, automation, on technology for efficiency. Um, you know, obviously a wave of, of interest in AI um, has also, um, you know, uh, sort of sped that along. Um, and the sort of ambulatory small practice side of things, um, you know, it depends on which specialty you're looking at. Some of the procedural high margin specialties um, have been spared a little bit from some of these labor dynamics, though, you know, dental hygienists are still really hard to come by, right? Um, but in skilled care, behavioral health, um, it continues to be really hard to, to staff these businesses and, and the enormous demand that we have for mental health services, especially coming out of the pandemic, is is completely, I mean, is not being met by the supply side and that's because of labor um, shortages. So, um, you know, it's, it's meant that operators have had to um, get really smart about um, how they attract, how they retain, how they upskill their workforces, how they tech enable them. Um, and many operators that haven't been able to do that have have consolidated or have unfortunately you know reduced or shut down um, services because of of the uh, the pressure there. Mm -hmm. That kind of leads to my next question, and, and um, let me know if uh, if if the labor shortage affected this. But um, why are we seeing so many healthcare companies over leveraged right now? Yeah, so um, you know, I think I think private equity backed companies being um, over leveraged in the current um, high interest rate environment is not um, isolated to healthcare, but we're certainly seeing a lot of it in healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, and part of this is a, a sort of um, result of the deal making environment that we saw in sort of so the long 2021, right? Like late 2020 to early 2022. Mm -hmm. um, in medieval history, we say like the long 12th century. So I, <laughs> I kind of, you know, gravitate back toward that language. But yeah. so, so, uh, you know, effectively, um, you know, you had deals happening at, at pretty crazy multiples, right? I mean, um, high 20s, X, um, even up into 30X um, EBITDA for, you know, some behavioral health um, platforms, right? Um, and uh, a lot of leverage was was used to, to sort of get to that price point. Um, probably some unrealistic growth expectations um, baked in there. Um, you know, some investors coming in kind of hype around healthcare after the pandemic, maybe um, they weren't healthcare specialists, they didn't um, fully appreciate, you know, the importance of quality of earnings, the um, difference between revenue, especially earned revenue and actual cash flow in healthcare, right? That's, that's actually a big gap in this industry. And um, so, so um, as a result, you've kind of had a mismatch between revenue expectations and, and um, you know, what, what really happened. Um, you know, high interest rates don't help with that, you know, low, lower reimbursement than, than you might hope, higher um, staffing costs, um, just led to a lot of margin compression um, in mm -hmm. the industry. And so um, we are seeing, you know, in specifically in, in, in categories like um, acute care physician staffing, right? Um, a lot of distress, um, some areas of behavioral health. Um, and in other cases, just platforms growing a lot more slowly than they would have hoped um, slow down in, in add-on acquisition, slow down in M and A, um, moving toward um, very small um, 
uh, you know, add-ons um, uh, or even, you know, de novo growth um, just to make sure that they can cash flow things, not have to take on any additional debt. Um, so there's sort of de general deceleration of deal activity as a result of all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Um, so what are some unique uh, pressures on the industry right now that are that may be affecting it? Yeah, so so we've kind of touched on a couple of, a couple of different them, right? things, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, the broader sort of financing um, landscape, right? I mean, you really can't get a, you can, but it's really difficult to get a, a large deal done right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, broadly syndicated loan market is, is, is slowly opening back up, but it's still pretty, pretty sticky. Um, you're seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of the larger firms that would be doing big deals kind of move down market, doing smaller deals. Um, so, so just the general financing conditions, um, that, that, um, private equity and M&A are facing are, are difficult. Um, mm. Reimbursement trends, again, especially in areas like home health has been really hit hard over the last couple of years, Medicare, home health, you know, some areas of, of ABA um, and a lot of the sort of procedural physician specialties um, seeing flat to declining reimbursement um, on top of those those staffing challenges. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of difficult situations out there. Um, I think, you know, to not be completely doom and gloom um, for your listeners, um, you know, the deals that we are seeing getting done um, are in the lower middle market. They are um, uh, small platform creations, small platform deals, single state groups, right, taking their first institutional check. Mm -hmm. um, they are, you know, smaller add-ons, um, particularly those that can be cash flow that don't require additional debt. Um, and then restructuring deals and groups that can provide structured capital, kind of flexible solutions um, to help with some of those impending maturities, um, inject a little bit more equity in. Um, we're seeing a lot of those deals happen as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how much you get into other industries too, but I feel like I've heard similar um, response to other industries that, you know, the higher, the bigger deals, you know, aren't necessarily happening, but lower middle market, that's where you're seeing a lot of activity. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, there's still less activity in the lower middle market than there was a couple of years ago as well. I mean, we've definitely mm -hmm. slowed down. Um, but if you look at um, the deal numbers that we um, have recorded for um, healthcare relative to, you know, 2017, 2018, um, we're actually, you know, right about it at sort of the average during that time period. So we're not talking about, you know, historically low deal activity in terms of overall count. It's just that the focus of that activity has shifted away from larger deals, mm -hmm. again, toward these smaller deals and recapitalizations and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're kind of like, uh, this is what's affecting healthcare. But on the opposite side, what are some hot segments in healthcare right now that uh, we should be paying attention to? Yeah, so you ask anyone um, in healthcare deal making right now what what's hot, and they'll probably say behavioral health is you know what their first or second answer. Interestingly, um, we don't see a, a ton of deal flow coming through um, in behavioral health and mental health, um, despite the very high level of investor interest, and in some cases still quite high um, purchase prices. Um, and I think that's because of a lack of, of available targets um, mm -hmm. in, in many cases, right? And so a lot of groups are focusing on de novo. Um, but you know the the um, 
tragically, the, the uptick in um, substance use disorder in mental health um, issues, you know, during the pandemic and after um, has led to increased demand, um, as well as sort of growing societal, you know, acceptance of, of behavioral health care. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that area continues to be hot if you can find um, an asset at the right, right purchase price. Um, couple of other areas that we're tracking. Um, cardiology is a really new one um, on the procedural side for private equity. These tend to be larger um, assets, but um, effectively since 2020 or so, you've had um, a code migration um, uh, out of the um, hospital setting and into ambulatory surgical center um, settings. And uh, this has opened up the possibility that you can have um, sort of more independent um, physician group um, activity in, in cardiovascular. So um, seeing a lot of, of sponsor interest there. And then the third one is MedSpa, which has been picking up for a couple of years now and an aesthetic dermatology. Mm -hmm. um, cash pay business, um, really fast growing market um, and uh, you know opportunity for both rolling up um, sort of entrepreneurial little businesses um, as well as, as de novo plays there. So those are the three that I'd call it as, as really hot right now. What about emerging? Like, what's what's gonna what's gonna be becoming hot soon? So I I always point to anything Medicaid um, is is on my radar as as growing in interest um, for sponsors. Um, I think more and more firms are realizing that sort of you know chasing higher commercial rates is only gonna get you so far. Some of those industries are becoming a little bit more consolidated already, and there's a lot of white space. Um, in Medicaid. And you can find, you know, if you do your homework and find the right um, states, even the right counties, um, uh, some pretty good reimbursement rates. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, IDD, home and community-based services, um, I think are, are areas that more and more firms are becoming interested in. Um, and then I'm, I'm watching anything pediatric. Um, so that's not, not just ABA, but um, other forms of pediatric therapy, as well as pediatric primary care, pediatric dentistry, um, continuing to see more and more investor interest in, in those spaces, again, as, as kind of an underinvested and still very, very fragmented area. And then um, what is on the decline or not so hot right Not so hot. Um, the drop-off in Medicare home health and hospice has been really pretty stark over the past year or so, um, and it's due to um, pretty terrible reimbursement trends. Um, and, you know, CMS... Um, is still adamant that they need to claw back um, some of the, the payments that were made pre-2021. Now we're really getting into the weeds here, but um, effectively it's become, it's become difficult to, um, to manage the, the margins in, in those businesses um, given reimbursement trends and, and staffing costs. Um, I mentioned acute care physician staffing um, after the No Surprises Act um, has been, um, you know, a difficult place um, for many of the groups that used to rely on out-of-network um, uh, billing. And so we've seen um, some bankruptcies and downgrades for the larger groups there. Um, and then the third one that I'd call out is um, Medicare Advantage Primary Care, I think is on the, the downward trajectory, again, due to some sort of um, policy moves um, by CMS and just having a lot of groups having overpaid um, in 2021 um, mm -hmm. with, with you know, excitement around value-based care. Um, they're starting to kind of take a hard look at some of these business models and, and seeing that the, um, the expectations maybe don't quite match up with the reality there. So um, 
not to say that, you know, there's no opportunity in, in these spaces, but I think we're seeing investors pull back and kind of um, look for other opportunities in many cases. Yeah. Do you, uh, I'll get that. I'll get that in a second. Um, but then another one that uh, is, is unique um, coming out of COVID are weight loss drugs. I feel like you hear a lot about these injections, these things that, you know, can yeah. help you lose weight. You know, we were at home. I, there was a uptick in the amount of gym equipment you spent for your house. Um, that you can like, what, what, what's the deal with weight loss drugs? Um, you know, since, uh, since COVID, how has that changed? Yeah. I mean, this is really kind of, a not even since COVID, but just over the past um, year or two become a, a sort of popular phenomenon. Right. Um, so Azumbic, Wagovi, um, Manjara, and a couple of the other ones, um, that are, that are out there. Um, you know, it's not something that that a lot of people are thinking about in relation to healthcare services and kind of your traditional healthcare M and A, right? Which is um, one of the reasons I, I, I like to flag it to people. Um, if you look at some of the early clinical um, data that's coming out from these these drugs, um, not only do they obviously treat di diabetes, which is the sort of um, the first indication they're labeled for, um, but um, cardiovascular um, events, heart attack and stroke, um, reduced by 20% for, um, patients with a higher BMI, um, early indications that they may be useful in treating chronic kidney disease, which is a, a large, um, spend area in healthcare. Um, so even if you take those three diabetes, um, cardiovascular disease and, um, kidney disease, those are the number, I'm going to get this wrong. Number one, number like number three and number eight leading causes of death in the U.S. And mm -hmm. if you can get significant clinical um, savings there um, with a, you know, with one drug, that's that's pretty remarkable. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously this is all dependent on payer coverage. This is dependent on the price coming down. Um, but I think if you look at the the promise that's in the drug pipeline um, and the pressure that employers are under to cover these things. You have to at least consider that it might be a possibility that we could see a real shift in um, procedural volumes in some of these high, you know, high margin specialties like cardiovascular, obviously bariatric, um, you know, dialysis for sure, maybe, um, maybe even orthopedics, maybe even um, ENT, right, with the sleep apnea being tied to obesity. Um, so I think it's something that that deal makers who are in the healthcare space need to be paying attention to. There are ton of unknowns still. Um, mm -hmm. But it's definitely a major potential disruptor that the industry um, is kind of kind of waking up to and, and grappling right now. Mm -hmm. So so you're, are you equating that to potential op more opportunities in the near future? Just uh, obviously can't guarantee that. But is that what kind of what you're getting at? Um, actually, the opposite. I'm getting it um, okay. that some of these um, investment areas that have been have been pretty hot in healthcare services may see procedural volumes decline. Um, okay. And, uh, um, you know, may not have the, the revenue that they expected. Um, if mm. we have, um, you know, dramatic reduction in, in some of these, um, chronic conditions, there will be opportunities in other areas too: digital health, e-prescriptions, chronic care management. Um, you know, there, there are, um, there are certainly sort of, disruptive opportunities out there. Um, but if your business model is um, doing as much, you know, as many dialysis procedures as possible, you know, that is something that that definitely could 
um, be impacted in the future by these, depending on how the coverage and, and uptake um, develops over time. Yeah, right. Some some cause and effect kind of relationships there amongst. Yeah, totally get that. Um, so what is your outlook over the next 12 to 18 months for the healthcare industry, you know, at a high level where is there going to be, you know, is it going to good, bad, you know, stay the same and what should, what should we know about the industry that can, that can help us as advisors in the future, you know, year or two, um, with this industry. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's, it's proved to be a losing game to try to predict when deal making kind of bounces back. Yeah, um, I like predictions though. <laughs> Everything we do. So sometime in 2024, is that hedging too much? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it depends, right? It depends on when we start to see the Fed cut rates finally, which depends on other things. It depends on kind of the geopolitical environment and the general mm -hmm. feeling of stability. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe the first or second quarter of 2022, but um, I, I've sort of given up <laughs> trying to predict <laughs> that with um, with accuracy. Um, but I think, you know, the, the key question is when do large platform trades start happening again? Mm -hmm. um, you know, one firm selling to another firm, right? And, and when that starts to happen, then that has a knock-on effect on the lower middle market because after a platform trades to a new sponsor, they get recapitalized, they start doing, um, you know, their own add-on acquisitions yeah. at, a, at a much higher clip, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a floodgates opening type of thing. I think it'll be a slow trickle as we we get back to a higher deal volume. I don't think pricing gets back to anything close to what we saw in 2021. I think sponsors have been um, burned by what the prices that they paid in many cases and the amount of leverage that they use. So that caution is going to continue for for at least a couple of years going forward. You know, thinking a little bit bigger picture, you know, strategics, the payviders, the uh, retailers are going to be sort of key terminal buyers for home health, behavioral health, um, and primary care. And, and this means that there will still be consolidation activity, you know, down market um, in these spaces, despite some of these reimbursement challenges. So, you know, um, you, you'll still see some activity, even though, you know, um, it's getting harder to do deals um, in these, these spaces. And then finally, um, I think you see employers start to um, play a much more active role in managing their own healthcare spend, right? Employers are the, the sort of payers for the commercial market, which is the highest um, margin part of healthcare, um, broadly speaking. Um, and employers are really being squeezed on their healthcare costs by specialty drugs, um, you know, these new GLP-1s um, and, and just general healthcare cost inflation. Um, so even a business that's not doing any value-based care, that's just a fee-for-service um, procedural, you know, healthcare group needs to be thinking about how to measure, how to benchmark, um, improve outcomes so that they can, you know, defend their commercial rates and not see those erode over time as they're negotiating with payers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the outcomes, that's, that's another interesting uh, component to this that you, that you, uh, they, that you don't always think about because a good outcomes, uh, you know, obviously um, help you out, um, but poor outcomes, you know, don't help you out, but they also, you know, you probably have to go back for a, for a revision on those outcomes, right? Uh, so it's all, right. and, you know, kind of all works together. And quick plug for our, um, our value-based care research, we have um, a couple of research pieces that kind of lay out, you know, where the value-based care um, industry and movement is going, what the investable opportunities are within that trend. 
um, and you know how it's how it's moving forward, how it's maybe moving forward more slowly than than some people would like. But mm -hmm. um, number of research pieces there for folks to dig into. Yeah, and so that kind of you know brings me to my last question too. And Rebecca, I really appreciate your time today. Um, your pieces that your team puts out, the rest of the anal analyst team at PitchBook. Um, where can our listeners learn more about PitchBook? Where can they find these pieces? Um, you know, uh, you know, from the healthcare space, from all the other industries that you guys do, where can everybody find that information? Sure. So um, if your listeners are already clients, they can go to our research center um, or analyst workspaces to access um, that analyst content. Um, if you're not a client, um, pitchbook.com slash news is the sort of first port of call for both our news team, which is kind of, you know, actual reporting on um, yeah. events as they happen, as well as our um, analyst content. Um, you can subscribe to our newsletter there. Um, and then follow me on LinkedIn if you're interested in in our healthcare content. That's a good place to find um, everything yeah, I, that we I just publish. looked at your LinkedIn page and you were, uh, I think, what, a week or two ago at a healthcare conference? Yep, yep. We go to the the major um, healthcare conferences. Um, what was it? Health, HLTH, in, uh, yeah. in Las Vegas recently, which is a big one. We'll be at JP Morgan and um, a couple others. So um, feel free to uh, reach out and we can connect in person as well. Any other big takeaways from that conference that you were at that we didn't discuss today? Not to put you on the uh, spot. I don't think we've, we've uh, said the word AI yet or words. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. that, I mean, uh, AI was a big one from that conference. Um, the announcement that General Catalyst wants to buy a health system was, um, you know, it's probably been one of the most fun topics um, for me to d discuss with folks um, mm -hmm. recently. Um, we have a recap um, report um, if, if uh, listeners are interested in, in kind of digging into You can find that on the... your LinkedIn page. Did I see that correctly? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So make sure so... to find Rebecca on LinkedIn. Um, check out that report. Um, AI is everywhere. So AI is um, definitely relevant in healthcare and then a lot of other industries. So um, it's definitely prevalent and growing, right? Yeah, we'll help you cut through the noise too. There you go. Perfect. You guys do the research for us. We'll just learn the high points. Um, so Rebecca, really appreciate your time today. PitchBook is an awesome resource and tool for us. It's been extremely beneficial. Um, it was great to learn more about the healthcare space um, and how that's being affected in, in mergers and acquisitions and, and all the great work your team does. So thank you for sharing that and, and joining us today. Um, and that's, uh, that's it for our episode today. Uh, if you could go ahead and like, share, and comment this uh, on this video, on this episode, it would um, benefit Rebecca and myself tremendously. Um, please share it with all the people that uh, are doing M&A work, um, especially in the healthcare space. I think you're going to find a lot of value in this episode from Rebecca's you know, expertise and insights into the space. And um, please continue to watch our episodes, our, all our previous episodes, and all future episodes are on cornerstoneia.com slash podcast. Check all those out and look forward to talking with you next time.